Well, hello, and welcome to the very first Dad You podcast. My name is Chris Sherrod, and I am the Marriage and Family Director here at Watermark. And I am really excited about all that we have in store, or at least in our minds, for um, the Dad You podcast. And really, we just want this to be a time of uh, encouragement and equipping um, for dads. And we have a whole lot of topics that I'd, I'd love for us to be able to cover from discipline to anger management to being a fun dad, um, pursuing your wife as, um, you know, as a, as a father at the same time, um, just a whole lot of stuff. So we're going to hopefully over the next year have uh, a couple of these, maybe more, a month that we're releasing. But again, we're really excited. I'll just share with you real quick, our, our goal, kind of our motto in our family ministry is partnering with parents to build Christ-centered homes. And that really is supposed to be a reminder of why we exist, which is not to do all the work for parents. And I think that's unfortunately an expectation that happens sometimes, but that we want to come alongside parents and dads, you guys especially, and equip you so that together we're guiding these future generations to be transformed by Christ, to love like Christ, which is our goal. So real quick, a little bit about me. I have been married to Katie for almost 30 years. We met at a summer camp in 1990, and we have eight children. Uh, our oldest four are married. Um, the, the first three are, are boys. Then our daughter, Annabeth, got married last summer. And then we have another boy in college, another daughter in college. And then we have Parenting 2.0 right now, we call it, which is our eight and 10-year-old boys who uh, came home to us through adoption. And then now we have this other huge blessing. We have five grandchildren, which has been really, really fun to get to experience that side of, of family life. But my passion really for for dads happened, it kind of grew over time um, as I was a high school Bible teacher and coach in the 90s, in my early 20s. And then I became a youth pastor. All during those years, I saw more and more, while I loved young people, just the impact that a dad has on the home and really just the home environment in general, as far as um, identity and worldview, problem solving, um, just basic convictions. And so I really was burdened while I was at my last church um, in Georgia and just felt like, how are we equipping and encouraging dads to lead? Because I kind of compare it to the emperor's new clothes where um, you ask most dads, hey, are you leading your family or you're leading your family, right? And the dads are like, oh, sure, of course I'm leading my family. But all the while in the back of their mind, they have no idea really what that looks like. It's like, do I have to go to seminary or know Hebrew or Greek or have family devos every morning at five with a craft and an illustration? So I began to really have a burden to um, equip and encourage dads and then had a blessing of working at Pineco Family Camp um, in East Texas for 11 years and really got to pour into dads that way. And so now in my role here, it's another really cool benefit that I get to um, be a part of helping you guys in your walk with the Lord, but also in leading your families. So that's a little bit about my my journey and a lot of that will come up as we go along. Uh, our main verse, and today what I really want to do is just share with you kind of four big attributes of faithful fathers and then we'll begin to unpack that as as the weeks go on. But always our, our key verse that we always go back to for parents is uh, Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 9. 
And uh, some of it is familiar, but I just want to share with you uh, a few things that stand out for us as parents. Um, So here's what it says. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Literally all your muchness in, in the Hebrew there, just all your everything else. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So a couple of things that stand out there. One is just the, the unity of God, this undivided God. Uh, Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Uh, is seeking undivided worshipers. He wants people who worship him uh, with all their heart, all their soul, all their everything. And then the second thing that stands out is that his words are to be on our hearts first. Before we do anything else, his commands should be on our heart. And that leads to really what Jesus said, uh, that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when dads ask me sometimes, what should I talk about? I just talk about, well, what are you learning? What, what's going on in your heart? Um, because we, by nature, talk about what we're excited about. That's what social media shows us, that if I'm excited about something, I want you to be excited about it, whether it's a picture or a video clip or new song, whatever it is. I just want to tell other people. And so that's why the order there is important, that first I love God with all my everything, and then his words are in my heart, and then you begin talking to them about your kids. So in in general, the way I like to think about this is is that discipling our kids is not a program, but it's a lifestyle where just his word, his principles are, are obviously modeled, but then we just talk about them in daily conversations. And it mentions four little windows of opportunities um, there, which um, I'm going to cover in our next podcast. But the general formula, the way I like to think about this is you personally possess and then intentionally pass. And when I say formula, I don't mean this is a guarantee, just do this and you're automatically going to have... Um, these amazing children. But the way God kind of spells it out there is first, I personally possess this genuine faith that um, is not perfect, but real. And then I'm intentionally passing that on to my kids. I'm impressing it on their hearts, some translations would say. What's interesting when it says, teach them diligently to your children, that's actually the only time in the whole Old Testament where this Hebrew word is translated, teach them diligently. It's actually most often translated as sharpen or it has to do with something sharp like um, an arrow or a sword or the word pierce shows up a lot. So the the imagery that's being given to the to the Hebrew audience right there already is that you're using God's word to sharpen um, your children or to pierce them, to pierce and penetrate their hearts is, um, is what you're trying to do with it. So that's God's plan. And uh, it's not the church's job mainly to disciple kids. It's for mom and dad to do. And again, that's why we say um, we're partnering with you guys. I I like to use the old uh, Home Depot expression, you can do it, we can help. Like that's what we're we're here to do. But as we think about the the importance of this, um, really what I like to think of is this window of opportunity that you have, um, kind of the 414 window. depending on which study you read, it talks about when most people trust Christ and the ages vary a little bit, but in general, um, between the ages of four and 14 is when the majority of people, um, 85% pretty much make decisions for Christ. Obviously there are tons of stories of God getting a hold of people at, at other ages, but 
um, the majority of children trust Christ somewhere between ages four and 14, which uh, means we've got a lot of evangelistic opportunities in our own homes to reach uh, the lost. I think we think of the the big, you know, mission field out there, but starting with our own home, um, if our kids haven't trusted Christ, that's where it begins. And another stat that I read recently is that most kids' worldviews are established by the time they're 13. And I think that's uh, where you think a lot of times the deadline is 18 or something like that when they're ready to be launched. But um, it's pretty much primarily shaped and firmly in place by the age of 13, which is, again, a reminder of why we're training and and educating and um, discipling our own kids. There is a book that I just would recommend to any of you dads. Uh, It's called The Intentional Father. And while it is very specific about um, raising sons, it, uh, there's a lot of the principles in there that apply to just parenting in general, but uh, it's by a guy named John Tyson. Again, The Intentional Father, the subtitle is A Practical Guide to, to Raise Sons of Courage and Character. But what Tyson says in his book is he says there's basically five types of fathers. Uh, if you're thinking of it like on a scale, there's irresponsible fathers, uh, there's ignorant fathers, there's inconsistent fathers, there's involved fathers. And I think that's where Probably a lot of us just naturally fall in. Like, obviously, if you're listening to this, you're involved or you care about your your child. But then he talks about the intentional father, and that is where you are um, leading with vision. You're you're intentionally investing in the hearts and spiritual growth of your kids. Um, a lot of other dads, they are present, they're there, but they really have no plan. They don't have much of uh, of a direction. Um, they're not really preparing anything for how they're going to move from point A to point B. And uh, hopefully even just through this podcast, we want to move the needle wherever you're at on that list, move it a little further along um, to becoming more intentional of a, of a father. The reason really, I, I, I want to make sure that we, we feel this weight though, dads, that um, the reason it's more on us is that scripture specifically tells us that we're supposed to be the ones doing this. There's two big commands, not just to parents, but to dads in particular in Ephesians 6 and in Colossians 3, and both of them are commands uh, for us to to raise up our children. And anytime I come across a command in Scripture, I have to remember that I only have two options. Either I can obey or I can disobey. And so when I come across Ephesians 6, 4, for example, that says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. So there's a warning there for a reason because of the impact that, that I could have, the destruction that I could um, – bring if I'm not careful, but instead I'm supposed to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Some translations say training and instruction of the Lord. So there's a command there that I am supposed to take the role of spiritual leader there. And if it helps, years ago, I heard someone share a really simple definition of spiritual leadership that was really a relief to me uh, and actually an encouragement. He said, spiritual leadership is just encouraging faith in the heart of your family or with your wife, encouraging faith in the heart of your wife, that it's not like you have to have all these big, uh, huge planned out uh, things for your family, like we we mentioned, like these big formal family devos, which again, nothing wrong with that. But if you read the Deuteronomy 6 passage, really what it's just talking about again, is you have this lifestyle of talking about these things and your home is just this word environment. So you've got your, your, you, you've got the vision of, okay, I'm the spiritual thermostat. I'm supposed to be intentional about this. But uh, I just want to encourage faith in the heart of my kids. And so that doesn't mean, oh, good, I'll just bring them to church. Uh, I need to know where they're all at individually and what encourages each of their hearts. I know I learned early on with my wife, um, 
to lead her. I, I honestly started out our marriage like writing these devotionals for her. And it, I mean, I wrote a lot, like maybe a month's worth of little devos, which with like with blanks for her to fill out. And she was nice enough to probably do two of them. And then she came to me and said, listen, thank you so much for doing this, but I just am probably not going to, I'm just not getting, this isn't how I grow. And um, once I got over feeling hurt, and again, it was just my pride, I, I realized, okay, well, then what does encourage you? And so it led to a great conversation on what it means to encourage faith in the heart of my wife. So that's part of our job as dads to figure out how can I encourage faith in the heart of my of my kiddos. I really just want to end this first podcast, just reminding you of four qualities of faithful fathers. Um, there's a lot that we could talk about, but there's four main ones that we want to keep getting back to each time that we have a, a Dad You podcast that will um, will hit uh, all the time. But mainly, these are the four, and then I'll go back and explain them. Uh, number one, faithful fathers are men who passionately, passionately love Jesus. Number two, they own the role of disciple maker. Number three, they create a word-centered home. And number four, they initiate faith conversations. So I'll go back and talk about those things. But if you've been around Watermark for the couple of times I, I had the privilege of preaching, one of the things that I that I shared was the issue really for us as families is, isn't what's happening at Watermark on the weekends. Um, we've got great programs for your kids. We've got awesome teaching and amazing volunteers that are pouring into kids and our staff does uh just an awesome job um, bringing the gospel and teaching the kids, but it's only, uh, you know, for an hour each week. And so the issue isn't what's happening at Watermark on the weekends. The issue is what's not happening at home the rest of the week. And that's where that intentional fatherhood comes in, uh, this faithful fatherhood and, and what it, the impact that it has. So let me go back and remind you of those four. The first one is you passionately love Jesus. And Again, you see that in Deuteronomy 6, that it says, first of all, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. These, these words are on your heart. So always remembering that, first of all, I've got to model for my kids what I want for them or expect of them, what my prayer is for them. Um, there's an expression, more is caught than taught. But it just means I have this deep devotion for the name and fame of Jesus first. Um, I'm, I'm not play acting uh, again, I'm not going to be perfect, but uh, my identity is in Christ. And um, I, my my example that I share is when you're on the airplane and they give you the little talk about the oxygen mask. If the uh, you know pressure in the cabin changes, this oxygen mask falls down. And they always say, if you're traveling with a child, put on your mask first, which sounds almost selfish. Like, what about women and children first? But what they know is if you aren't breathing, you can't help anyone else breathe. And so in the same way, um, step one in leading my family and being a faithful father is I've got to have this passion for Jesus so that I can turn to my kids and say, like Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, be imitators of me as I am of Christ or follow my example as I'm following the example of Christ. So that's where I'm modeling dependency on God, prayer, trusting um, him during hard circumstances, seeking his word for answers, spending time in God's word, again, where I'm growing in my faith. I have my own convictions that I'm living out before them. And um, that's how you end up leaving a legacy. You, you basically, you leave what you live is how it works. And I think the problem is a lot of, of parents, a lot of dads are trying to impose really a value system on their kids that they aren't living out themselves. That's what exasperates a lot of kids. And so the the kids aren't 
rejecting our hypocrisy. It's, um, I'm sorry, they're not rejecting our theology. They're rejecting our hypocrisy. That's what ends up being uh, a lot of times what turns them away from really seeing Christianity as this whole life thing and not just kind of a, a hobby that we do. So that's why Proverbs 23, 26 says, my son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. So I'm asking my kids, hey, follow my example, which means I've got to look at my own life and figure out how am I fueling my passion for for Jesus and, and his word. Um, even maybe praying a simple prayer of uh, Psalm 119, 36, Lord, turn my heart toward your statutes, um, not toward selfish gain. I just need his word. A.W. Tozer said, whatever keeps me from my Bible is my enemy, however harmless it may appear to be. So that's the first one. I'm, I'm passionately loving Jesus. The second attribute of a faithful father is you own the role of disciple maker. And that's basically what we're talking about this whole time is that you see it as your primary role and responsibility to intentionally pass on this, this faith um, that's been entrusted to you. Psalm 78, five through seven uh, says, that God established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children. So it's a command to us to teach our kids. And it goes on and says that, here's why, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. So I've got to own that role of disciple maker to, to not see it as anybody else's role but mine. And then related to that, the third attribute of a faithful father is that you create a word-centered home. And that's just what you find in Deuteronomy 6, that in your home, you have God's word is, is written up and around before our kids' eyes. It's on our hearts. It's on our lips in different settings, whether we're at the dinner table or going to bed or getting up at different points. Um, God's word is just a part of our home. So it's a word environment, not a world environment. And that means also what I'm choosing to talk about. Like I need to make sure that I'm being Hopefully, I, I would I would love to think of it as I'm the most encouraging voice, along with my wife, um, in my kids' life. That more than their teachers or you know even Sunday morning uh, leaders or or whatever other role people have, that I'm a voice of encouragement. Um, in First Thessalonians two, Paul was writing to the church there, and he said, "For you know how, like a father with his children." We exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God. And so that gives you a little insight there of what our job is as dads. We're supposed to exhort, we're supposed to encourage, we're supposed to charge, give them inspiration. You know, you've got this or affirmation, you're doing great. But um, the goal there is I'm, I'm building an environment of encouragement and joy in my home, grace and truth. And um, that's just always, again, a reminder that that I'm setting the the temperature of my home. Uh, I don't want it to be a place of stress or tension or um, where is dad going to be angry today? And just, again, reminded of the power of, of my words. So that's the, the third quality there, creating a home, uh, a word-centered home. And I, I share the importance of that because of two books that I've been reading, starting to read and I'm going through um, recently. One is called Handing Down the Faith. Uh, this came out last year by Christian Smith and his research, um, he's been doing this for, for quite a while now, but he says in this book that parents by far are the most successful and influential player in their kids adopting the Christian faith compared to any other influence. And he just goes back to the home environment is what it is. It's more bigger impact than their peers, the media, their youth group leaders, um, any other religious school teachers. They're the greatest single evangelist for the gospel, uh, and its greatest arena is, is there in the home. 
And uh, what I love that's encouraging is, is he says, the most important factor is the sheer consistency and honesty of the parents' own imperfect faith and practice. And I think the reason the home is such a, a bigger opportunity uh, for impact is that is where you are probably the most real. Like that's where you're probably really you more than you act at church or other environments where um, you kind of have your guard up at home, you let your guard down. And when kids see, again, what, what he says are the sheer consistency and honesty of your own imperfect faith, that gives them something that they want to um, follow after. I, I don't think they're, they're not looking for perfection. They just want to see the reality of this of this relationship. And the second book I read um, and working on, it's called Families and Faith. And it's this 40-year study. It's the largest ever study of religion and families across generations. Um, they followed more than 350 multi-generational families. About 3,500 individuals were interviewed whose lives span really actually more than a century in this book. It covered even generations from World War I all the way to millennials. And two things it mentioned about dads in there. One, they said a crucial factor in whether a child keeps the faith is the father's warmth. And it says, while outside forces do play a role, the crucial factor in whether a child keeps the faith is the presence of a strong fatherly bond. And then this other quote, which was so powerful, they just said, parental piety cannot make up for a devout but distant dad. And so that's just the reminder of us being present um, our hearts are in it, and we're um, we're trying to connect with our kids, uh, really, again, in a heart-level way. So those are the first three. The fourth quality is you just initiate faith conversations. And I'll, on our next podcast, I'll give you some ideas of what that means. But it's just uh, an, a matter of I'm taking the initiative to ask questions or to give instruction or to prepare them to live this out. And so I'm looking for specific conversations to have with them and I'm looking for the opportunities, whether we're at home or in transition, bedtime, again, morning time, there's 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 different um, opportunities. But let me just end by encouraging you dads to remind you that you are more qualified than you think. I think that we get um, hung up on our feelings sometimes, whether we feel inadequate or passive or timid. That's what holds us back from leading. But scripture says that um, we are sufficient because of Christ. In 2 Corinthians 3, it says, such is the confidence that we have towards Christ through Christ toward God, uh, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant. And uh, that's where I just love the reminder that God is the one who's made us sufficient. And then another encouraging verse from 2 Corinthians 9, 8, um, a little bit later in the, in the same letter, Paul says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And that covers obviously every situation you can think of there, all grace and all things at all times, all that you need. And so God has equipped you for that and um, praying for you, my friends, as you learn to lead your family and as we're just being faithful fathers in these areas. So we're excited about all they're going to be able to do in these podcasts and I'm looking forward to the next one. Thanks.